All right, so what's up with setting our clocks an hour ahead? I mean, seriously, I mean, what's, what's the deal with that? I mean, are we really trying, listen to what we're trying to do, right? I mean, didn't we do it so we get an extra hour of sunlight? Is the sun going to shine an extra hour today because we put our clocks a little bit further ahead? Now, it doesn't seem to me, I mean, again, I'm not a scientist, but it seems like it's going to shine the amount of times it's going to shine today. But I believe uh, it came about so that, that farmers, just get up a little earlier, guys and gals, uh, they could have an extra hour of daylight. Well, I know it helps us today. I know that my son's baseball games this week will be a little later because we'll have a little extra sunshine and we'll be able to play a little bit longer. But what's the deal with having an extra hour? Supposedly, you ready for this? It's to give us an extra hour of work. We want that. How tired are you right now? I mean, I'm telling you, is it not true? How long will it take you to recover from this hour right here? It's going to be a long time. I mean, I'm telling you, you're not going to snap out of it for a little while. You'll be like midweek, like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, we lost an hour of sleep. Really? Well, I think in God's wonderful providence, guess what we're talking about this week? As we get to Genesis 2, we're going to be talking about work, uh, getting an extra hour or losing an extra hour, and rest. And what does God's word tell us? Not what does the clock tell us or what does the calendar tell us? What does God's word tell us about work and rest? And let me tell you something. This is really important. I I, I promise you this. If you lean in and you let God's word speak to you, uh, I believe there's, there's something for each one of us. And what God has revealed to me again through his word is there's a whole lot more here than maybe what you realize seemingly is on the surface. That you were created to know how to work. And listen, you were created to rest. So where are we going to look to tell us how to do these things? I mean, uh, work and rest are such an important part of our lives that we sing about it, right? Uh, Lover Boy. You guys remember Lover Boy in the 80s? Am I dating myself? Everybody's working for the weekend. So that will tell us why we work, man. We work just to play, you know. We work to get it over with. Everybody's working for the weekend. Then you got some lady Snow White and a bunch of small little folks, uh, seven dwarfs, and they tell us how to work. They tell us that we are to what? Whistle while we work. And then again, I'm dating myself. I'm putting myself right in that certain genre. But a guy named Huey Lewis in the news, he says that, uh, no laughing at me. He says that, uh, uh, you know, we're working for a living, Working for a living, that there's something to do with work and living. And, and maybe what he was saying is we work to justify a certain living. Or we work just to get by and have a living. But the question is, what does God say about it? You see, uh, what, what does God really say about work? Because I think you might be surprised to see that he's a God of work. And God has a lot to say about work. But he equally has a lot to say about rest. And what does it mean to rest? As a matter of fact, rest is so important, it makes the top 10 of commandments. He's going to command you to rest. It's called the Sabbath. How are you doing with that? So it's a God who who will tell you uh, about work. If we look at Genesis 1 and 2, it tells us so much about ourselves. And and by the way, I got to tell you this. Uh, My original goal was to go through the entire Genesis 2 to talk about today work and rest, male and female, sex and marriage. All right? 
Now, somebody came along the line and thought, well, we got baptisms and we have new members. Maybe that's more than I can handle or maybe more importantly, more than you can handle. And God made it clear. Talk about work and rest this week. So next week, we'll talk about male, female, sex, and marriage. So that'll be a good one too. So make sure you get yourself here. But in Genesis 1 and 2, it'll tell us uh, why we are to work. Here's what, here's what scripture is going to immediately tell us. Why we are to work and why we're to rest. It will tell us what we are to work for. And it's more than just the weekend. Uh, It'll tell us how we are to work. It'll tell us how long we are to work. And it'll tell us who we are working for. As we look at this passage, we got to begin by asking some questions about God. Uh, God, you are a working God. What does it say about you, God? Every passage we go to, what does it say about you, God, in regards to work and rest? What does it say about us in regards to work and rest? And remember when we started this journey through Genesis, I told you that scripture says that all of it is about Jesus. Every single passage, this one as well. So we got it really, we wouldn't do our job if we don't stop by saying, what does this tell us about Jesus's work and Jesus's rest and how we can enter into his work and how we can enter into his rest? So turn with me in your Bibles. We're in Genesis 2. We're going to read 1 through 17. Our focus today will be work and rest. We'll pick up more of what what this chapter says in the coming weeks. Let's be mindful that Moses wrote this to people who were out of Egypt heading to a promised land. He wrote it specifically for them. But the Holy Spirit was there and the Holy Spirit was breathing into him. So he wrote it for more than just them. God's word, he says, he wrote it for us as well. So whoever you are and wherever you've been, God wants to speak to you through his word. Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the earth. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made the spring Uh, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to the water of the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers, which nothing to do with barbecue. The name of the first is Pishon. uh, That is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedalum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gahan. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. 
And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is there is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. Let us pray. Father God, there's so much here. And there's so much to know about you and know about us through this. So God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and be teacher. That you would be the one who who teaches us. And you would speak through a broken sinner like me. Father, I know that that our sin has affected the way we see you. Our sin has affected the way we understand our work and our rest. And I know we live in a culture that's so messed up when it comes to things like the meaning of our work and the purpose of our rest. So God, you really have to give us ears to hear. And you truly have to give us minds to understand. And God, would you please graciously give us hearts that embrace this truth. And would you finish that good work and give us feet to walk out of here worthy of what you're calling us to do. That we know that we're working for you and with you. What a privilege. And that we could rest in you. So God, only you can teach us all that. Come and do it for your glory and come and do it for the health of your church, we pray in God's precious name. Amen. First thing we see in this Genesis 2 is uh, right in verses 1 and 2, it says several times that, that God worked. As a matter of fact, that God's going to cease from his work. But you, you can't read those first few verses and not understand something like uh, about God. And what we understand is this, is our God is a working God. A God who works. As a matter of fact, it says this about our God. God puts in a full work week. Uh, he puts in a full work week. He, he works six days. Uh, he works six days in, in a, a very efficient manner. But he is not only a God who works, but he's a God who works hard and a God who works hard for an entire work week. We also learned this. It's amazing that work is actually a blessing, not a curse. Work, work is a blessing to us. Because it reflects who he is. And, and work is not a curse. Now, for some of you who know the Bible, you know what's coming in just one chapter. In just one chapter, in chapter 3, man is going to rebel from God and we're going to sin. And we're going to fall from grace and we're going to be driven out of that perfect garden. And something is going to happen to our work. Our work is going to be cursed. And now when we work, we work with the sweat of our brow. And now we work, and is it not true? It's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's laborious. It, it just drains our energy. Now work is very, very difficult. It's difficult because of sin, but we're going to get to that. But we've got to see beyond that and see in the beginning that, that work is not a curse in and of itself. Our sin caused it to be cursed. But work is a gift from God. It's a blessing from God. You know, it's just, it's just kind of amazingly profound. Think about this. Paradise is not paradise without work. I mean, God created uh, this, this paradise in Eden, and he put man in it to keep it, to till it, uh, to work. 
And so we got to realize that oftentimes we think, well, what is paradise? I mean, paradise is a hammock. I mean, paradise is, is not working. Uh, paradise is, is enjoying the good life. Uh, paradise is getting to that point where you don't have to work. But according to God's word, uh, made in his image, he's a working God. Guess what? We're to be a working people. And paradise is not even paradise with, without work. So the first thing we see is a God who works. But the second thing is amazingly as well as we see in this passage is a God who rests. So what's up with God saying that he's going to rest? Is almighty God weary for, from speaking the heavens and the earth into existence? Is the uh, almighty God, eternal creator God, tired and fatigued? And so he has to say, let me kick back and just say, whew, that was awfully difficult. It's time for me to rest. No. I mean, there, there's, there's no limit to God's power. There's no limit to God's authority. I mean, when God rolls up his sleeves and creates all things, he doesn't need to take a break because he's like you and me that we just tuckered out. But there's something amazingly beautiful and profound about what God is doing when he says, I'm going to rest one day. You ready, ready for this? God himself is going to separate his identity from his work. God is going to separate his identity from his work. He, he doesn't want just his work to define him. He doesn't want to be known just for what he does. God wants to be known and loved for who he is. And so he's going to set aside a day, a day of reflection, a day of holy day, a day of separation, where God is going to say, let me make sure that you know that I'm more than just what I do. I want to know you and I want you to know me for who I am. So he separates his identity, his being from his vocation. But God does more there. I mean, it's amazing what's happening in, in Genesis 2. Remember, we're made in his image. God is giving us a pattern for living. He's giving us a pattern for living and being, and that is one that, that puts in a full work week. But always in that work week, always one in seven, there should be a day that's different than every other day. A day that is completely set apart for him, for fellowship with him, for reflection on him. He's giving us a pattern for living. We also see that, that rest is a blessing. I mean, rest is, is a, a blessing from God that he wants us to enjoy. It's not something that says that you're not good enough or you're not strong enough. But listen, in your DNA, in your reflection of who you are, the God who made you has created you for rest. And there's a really beautiful reason for that. And we're going to get to that in a minute. So here's the bottom line early on as it looks about work and rest is this pattern is that God is saying, listen, there's six days that you should be about the work. There's six days that you should be uh, doing what I've called you to do. And remember that ultimately is things like bringing light into darkness, bringing order into the chaos, uh, beauty into the void. God is saying uh, for six days, I, I want you to be about that task of subduing the earth. For six days, I want you to be about reigning and ruling for me. But there's one day, one day in seven, you need to rest. Now, sometimes we get hung up on which day is that? You know, I, I uh, will have some friends here uh, that will say that Saturday is the true Holy Sabbath. And that Saturday is, and they'll call themselves that, that they, well, Saturday is the day of Sabbath. 
Well, originally, uh, as we unpack God's word, we see that that Saturday did emerge uh, for the Israelites uh, of that day of Sabbath. Um, But we also see as we closer reading into the scriptures that Christians, followers of Christ, had a new day. It was a resurrected Sunday day. That was a day of rest. That was a day. So it moved. It moved to Sunday. And that's why we gather here on a Sunday. But according to scripture, I don't think that we could be that precise with Genesis 1 and 2. I think the bottom line is 1 and 7. Whether you have to have it because of work or other reasons, a Monday Sabbath, or whether your Sabbath's on a different day, that's most important is 6 and 1, 1 and 7. I know when it comes to me, uh, obviously, my, this is not a rest day for me. And this is a high watermark of what I do. So tomorrow is my day of rest. Tomorrow is my day where it's a shutdown. Um, and yet, obviously, God has called us collectively to, to worship and rest today. So a pattern of living. Let me ask you, how you doing? We'll see why maybe you're struggling with some of that. Now we see our call to work. You see, God is a God who works and he's a God who rests. And he calls us to do the same, a call to work. Because we're image bearers, because we are made like him, we were made to work, even in paradise. The beautiful thing about us being made to work, and I I hope you get this. God has created you to work for him and with him. God God has called you to work and and be a part of his workforce and, and his team. God didn't create you to work just to go out there and have a miserable time from Monday to Saturday or Monday through Friday. God didn't create you just to go out there and just with the sweat of your brow, make a living and, and work your th- way through it. And by the end of the week, we'll gather back up and we'll try to pick each other up on a Sunday. God's saying this, no, 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 no. I've made you in my image. I made you to be a worker, but I've done it all for you to join me in what I am doing. Think about that. Ultimately, God has created all things for his glory. He placed us here on the earth to represent him as his image bearers. And here's the really cool thing about what he's doing. He's calling us into a relationship with him to do that which is he is doing right here on the earth. And so you may want to ask, well, what's he doing here on this earth? What's the whole point of it? And it really, we see through a good reading of scripture that the whole point of being here on earth is to fill this earth with his presence, to fill this earth with his reign and rule, to fill his earth with what we call his glory for those who say, we got to live for Jesus. It's his kingdom. It's his will be done. The most important thing we do is not earn a paycheck. It's important. The most important thing we do is what we do, bringing his light into darkness, bringing his order Uh, into the chaos, bringing his beauty into the void. It it happens around your dinner table. It happens every time in your office when you're living for him and you realize there's something bigger for you. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens in the little small things that you do. You see, it's so wonderful that there's a God who calls us into his work. And if we're called into his work, guess what? Every single thing you do matters. You can be a plumber, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a preacher. See, it's, it's all matters to him. 
We are called to work because we're image bearers. We're created to work. We are called to join him in his work. And here's what we see with uh, Genesis 2. He places us like he placed Adam and Eve in a, in a garden. He places us where uh, we are to be. And he's gifted us with gifts that we are to have. And because we are broken and we long to be placed somewhere else. And because uh, we, we are uh, tended to be jealous of one another and covet one another, we, we tend to long to have what others have. But the reality is, is God's placed you where you are to shine for him and he's gifted you how he wants to gift you. It, it's interesting being a pastor. It, it seems I can always look into someone's life that's like around their 30s. And you know, when right around your 30s, you realize that mm, you're probably not gonna get better than you are. And it's right around that time you start realizing, is it time to move Is it time to go do something else? Is my life okay just where I am? And I just want to say to them as a pastor, you know God's got you here for a reason. And you know that's not going to just be better over there. It's interesting. I I signed up for a conference recently. uh, Gospel Coalition Conference is coming to Orlando, and it's all the big names and Christianity are going to come and all the people whose books that I'm reading and the things that I'm doing, uh, the, the things that I kind of wrestle with, they're, they're all there. It's kind of the big weeks, right? And I went to seminary with a couple of them. And I started to think, no one asked me to speak. How come I'm not up there? You know, I, I started to think, I don't know if I'll ever be invited. Man. I just am called to be me. Whew. That kind of stinks sometimes, I think. And I start thinking, I, I, I want to work over there. I, I want to be a pastor of that church. I, I, I want to go over there. And then you start to realize, whoa, God, you're the one who's gifted me. Sorry, it's true. You're the one who's called me right here, and I love you. And there's a reason why I'm here and you're here. It's for his glory. And so he's called me to work for him and, and the gifts that he's given me and the place that he's given me. And it's true for you. And let me take a minute and just talk about you, you uh, wonderful females here. Man, do you live in a tough time in this world? Here's the reality. Uh, be, be productive in the workforce. Be a great wife. Uh, be a phenomenal mom. And if you feel called to be a homemaker, that's not really a calling. And that's what your society tells you. I'm going to tell you, that's garbage. Every single one of you, male, female, young, old, you're all created to work in his image. And every single one of you, you've been called to work for him. And listen, if your calling, if your calling is to, is to raise children, you are blessed. If your calling is to subdue a home and, and bring light into a home, that's awesome. And maybe you're a single dad and that's your calling too. I don't know. But don't let, don't let, society tell you what's valid and what's not valid for, for work. You all were created to work. You all were created for him and you were placed where he wants to place you and it's all for his glory. Let's join him in his partnership. Now you see, because sin has gotten in the, in the way here, uh, we, we have an obscured view of work. We we're kind of messed up. And, and let me ask you about this views of work. Do you view your work and what you do as something that's in partnership with God, or do you view it another way? Let me give you a few different things. One is this, work is my identity. 
The wrong work, the work is my identity. It tells me who I am. Do you know how hard this is for us? Oftentimes, you know, what do you do for your living? What do you do when you meet somebody? What's the first thing you ask? What do you do? What do they really try to say? What is your identity? They want to identify you in what you work in. And the problem is, is when we find our identity in what we do, guess what happens? If what we do changes, our identity's shipwrecked. So if you lose your job or your economic turn, your work is never your identity. It wasn't God's, it shouldn't be yours. Your work should never be your security. You're working for security to tell me that I'm secure. I mean, I love the fact that the Israelites were not allowed to go pick up manna one day a week because God's like, I'm going to provide for you. Don't you dare go and start picking up manna, food, out in the middle of the desert, bread to eat on. He's saying, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be your security. I'm going to be your identity. I'm going to be enough for you. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Is work your security? Here's what you know. If you can't shut it down, it probably is. If you can't shut it down, it's probably your identity. It's probably your security. If you think that taking a day off is going to, oh, once in seven is going to really stop uh, all the gears in your life and, the, and everything's going to come to a grinding halt, it's, that's your identity. That's your security. If work is your necessity, it just gets me to do what I want to do. You know, I, I like owning these things. I like doing these things. So, so work is just a necessity to enjoy the life I want to enjoy. That's wrong. God should be your necessity. See, work should be in partnership with God. He's the one who tells you who you are. He's the one who calls you to be secure. He's the one who wants you to do what he has called you to do. I just love this about God. Again, he, he wants us to more than just know him. He wants us to join him. Do you hear that? There's a God who is, who wants more of you than just to know him. Did you hear that? There's a God who is, who wants you to do more than just know him, but wants you to join him. Join him in what he is doing. Join him in what he has created you to do. Join him by bringing the kingdom of God here. Join God in his work. And also join God in his rest. You know, when you work for God, you never retire. You know that, right? When you work for God, you never retire. You just get promoted. You're promoted to glory. So it's our call to work. But there's more than that. It's our call to rest. Everybody's working for the weekend. Is that our rest? No, God has called us to rest. Because listen, it's amazing. Because we're made in his image because we are like him. If he rested, we are called to rest. Here's the beautiful thing, church. If we don't rest, we're in rebellion to him because we are saying that we don't want to show your image. Although it's good enough for you, one in seven, to rest, we don't want to do it. But as image bearers, we are called to rest, to reflect who he is. You get to the top 10 in the the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, we're commanded to rest. I'm telling you this, you're created to rest. You are commanded to rest. Why? To separate your identity from your vocation. Why? To separate your security from what you do. Why? To separate your necessity and lean on Jesus and all those things. To rest. Rest in partnership with God. How do we rest? This way. We rest by stopping. We should do it today. And we should look back. And as we look back, we should see Jesus and ask this question. Is his work on my behalf enough? And is his sacrifice for me enough? And if you could look back and say, Jesus is enough 
for you, you will rest. And you will worship your God by resting. You will declare your belief in Jesus' work on your behalf is sufficient. That's why he says, make this day holy. Set it aside. Look back at me and proclaim the reality with your life that Jesus is enough. You should not only look back, you should look forward. Because scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that there's a rest to come. That there's a rest that we're looking forward to. So God says, I've created this pattern for you, but there's more than that. I want you to look back and I want you to look forward. That way you'll know I'm enough. All right, let's get practical. Are you going to turn your computer on today? Are you going to be doing emails? Are you going to be turning the washing machine on today? Are you going to be running the lawnmower? What sports tournaments are you going to be running to? Are you really going to rest? Now listen, if God can shut it down, you can too. I know this is not what our society says. And I know this is out there. But I know that this is a pattern God's given us. Do you not love Chick-fil-A? I mean, what in the world tells somebody to start a fast food chain, go into malls and different places, and by the way, shut it down one in seven? Leave all that money on the table. Leave, leave, leave all that and just, just shut it down. Four rivers, shut it down. What about for you? Are you so important? that what you do is more important than honoring God and what he commanded? Let me tell you, God's given you a gift that you're not taking. Shut it down. Now, we've got to prepare for the Sabbath. It'll be hard for you to do today because some of you maybe already have deadlines. You can't do it today. But that's why you prepare on Saturday. That's what the Israelites did. They gathered enough for two days of, of food. You're created for rest. And oh, how you honor God when you do. Lastly, benefiting from the work of Jesus. You know, the glorious work of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus had an assignment from the Father. He had a very clear work assignment. Okay, Jesus, before time began, my only begotten Son, I'm going to send you to earth, and you're going to seek and to save the lost. And this is what your, your, your work is. Go get my church. Go get my sheep. Go bring them to me. That's your work. And Jesus was able to hang on the cross, having lived a perfect life, and now becoming that sin for those sheep. And say, it's finished. I did what the Father asked me to do. I haven't lost any of them. He came to do two things, to fulfill the law, to do all that which God has required from us. And then to die a death that we deserve. We call that theologically his active and passive obedience to the Father. Jesus was perfectly, actively obedient in fulfilling everything the law required. And then he was perfectly, passively obedient, absorbing all the wrath of the Father so that we could receive the love and the mercy. Jesus is perfect work. And now he says, I've completed my work and I'm providing you arrest. We can benefit from the work of Jesus. Here's the reality. God can see us through him and all the perfection of him. I had the privilege of having some folks at my house uh, a couple weeks ago who came down from, with my brother from Buffalo and, and they went and played golf and, and enjoyed all the things that's not happening in Buffalo right now. 
And they grew up in a different tradition, and they grew up in a very religious tradition, but not very relational tradition. And they grew up knowing about God, but thought God was really angry with them, and that God was very demanding of them, and they never were just good enough. They lived in fear that God just wants to beat them with a big stick. And I used an analogy of golf. I said, you know, when it comes to Jesus, what I believe is this, is that he had a perfect scorecard. He had a perfect scorecard. He sits in the clubhouse with the father right now and he watches us with our double and triple bogeys and our balls hit out of bounds and all of our times we've cheated on our own scorecard. And at the end of the day, whose scorecard are you gonna turn in? Are you gonna turn in yours? Are you gonna turn in his? Because the amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what he has done for us. He credits us and we have now the privilege of turning in that scorecard. And then, you know, it covers all of our triple bogeys, all of our things out of bounds. It covers all of our foibles and our brokenness. What an amazing thing. And now we get to enter into Jesus's rest. And here's the beauty, church, is that Jesus's work was sufficient. God is not calling you right now to get out there and go earn his love. God is not calling you right now to go out there and, and advance his kingdom so you have some worth. God is saying to you, everything that was required from you, Jesus provided for you. He's given it. It was enough. Now enter into his rest. Enter into his work and enter into his rest. Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, all you who are broken, all you who are sheep who have gone astray, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary, and guess what? I will give you rest. Work and rest. God has created it for us. Jesus has provided it for us. And here is our response. We run to Jesus. And we say, it's amazing good news that you were good enough. It's amazing good news that I can rest in you. Are you resting in him? He wants one day set aside, every day to be that. But one day set aside just to remember. Look back, look forward. Know what he has done. Join his work force. The only fulfillment you'll ever receive is working for him. You know, I had a job before I did this job. This is a great job. One day a week, it's awesome. (laughs) I remember being a sales guy. I love sales, can you tell? And I remember being given a territory, and I, I had a product I believed in, a product I loved, and a territory I was to manage to make my living, to provide for my family. I remember I had it, by God's grace, a big change one day. Because every day I had to wake up and every day I had to go make a living. And and, and I I was commissioned sales. So every month it was like hero to zero, right? No matter how good you did, you got to start all over again. Some of you all can relate to that. And one day God pressed upon me by his grace that, you know, Jeff, your territory really isn't for you to make money. I'll take care of that. And your territory really isn't for you to make a name for yourself. I'll take care of that. That what I've called you to is about me. And that I really care about where you're going to go today. And I really care about that maybe the person you got to see is not the decision maker. Maybe it's just the interaction you have with the person in front. And maybe it's just the way you interact with people around you. And maybe it has nothing to do with the fact that you're selling paychecks. It's all about me. I tell you, by God's grace, when I realized that God had called me to something bigger it became beautiful. Still was hard. 
I still had to make some, you know, still had bosses and some other things. But waking up and realizing that God has called me to himself and wants to use me where he's put me. That's you. Can you wake up tomorrow that way? I mean, can you wake up tomorrow and realize that God's gifted you the way he has and he's placed you where you're to be? And can you see through the eyes of faith that maybe there's something more there? That just go be light in the darkness and, and, and bring his beauty wherever you go. I got to end with this story. I, uh, I had a, it took a couple out to dinner uh, this week that were looking to maybe hire on our, our, our team here. And so I tried to impress them. We went to the uh, Cheesecake Factory. Good food and lots of it, right? My kind of place. And, and we were there, and, and I kind of recognized uh, the, the gal who was uh, serving us and waiting on us. I didn't really uh, recognize her a lot, but we were kind of engrossed in conversation and talking about different things. And I could know every time she came to the table, she could tell these people are talking about Christian things, church things, the Lord kind of things. And the bill comes, and I, and I, uh, I, I pay it, and uh, um, she comes back with my credit card. She says, Pastor Jakes. First time she called me by name. She goes, you may not remember this, but you came here five years ago and I was really pregnant and you prayed for me and you prayed for me and you showed me some love. And I heard that that next Sunday you mentioned me in your sermon. I just want to say thank you. I said, oh man, awesome. Tell me about your child. Wow, he's great. He's healthy. He's fantastic. I don't remember the story. That God has just called you and me to be light to those around us. And, and part of this working and rest is just seeing those around us and loving them and pointing them to Jesus. And you can do that. That's what God has called you to do, to be the aroma of Christ. I look at your faces and so many of you are doing it so well. I'm so proud of you. You know when you wake up tomorrow, God wants something a whole lot more than working for the weekend, Right? You know, he wants to call you to himself and call you on his sales team and you're working for him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the amazing joy and privilege of working for you. That, that what we do matters. <laughs> it matters in your sight. And it's more than we're just working for the weekend. It's more than we're just working for a paycheck. And it's more than we're just working to try to find our identity or security. God, you've given us our identity. You've given us our security. And you called us to now represent you in this world. Whether that's praying with a, with a, a hostess or a waitress or, or, or praying with a workmate or, or just the way we go about our business in a way that says we know and love Jesus and we're known and loved by Jesus. God, I pray for each one here, the student, to realize that they have a job for your glory. Uh, the, the single parent. God, I pray for the females uh, that you bless this church with to live in a tough time that says they got to be everything. God, I pray for the homemakers and uh, those that are, that are living and working for you inside a home. Bless them. God, I thank you for each one of them. And God, I pray for those who are disabled and unable to work in some way. But God, they still are working for you and the way they love others and the way that they represent you. And I thank you for how well many here in this congregation are doing that. God, I thank you so much for the joy of knowing you and not just whistling while we work, but worshiping while we work because we do it for your glory. We pray all this in Christ's name.
Amen.